Hello everyone, welcome to an all new Process Mining Cafe, the last one in this year. And today we are going to talk about activity-based costing. I'm here with a, uh, with a dear friend and colleague, uh, Willem Glasberger. Uh, Hi Willem. Hi Anne. <laughs> who has a lot of knowledge about this topic. So I'm, I'm glad you are here to talk about this. Um, we are also very glad to have you all in this session again. As always, uh, you can talk to us while we are on the air. Um, to do this, all you need to do is to um, click on the little button on the side where you are watching this right now. You type in your name. You don't need an account or anything. And then you are in the chat and there you can make your comments, uh, ask questions, and we keep an eye on it uh, during the session. Um, now, so maybe uh, to to get started, Willem, you, I remember, were one of the first ones who really used activity-based costing together with process mining productively already back in 2015, 2016, mm -hmm. uh, right? One of your colleagues, Lucy, uh, she presented in 2016 um, at Process Mining Camp, uh, one of yes, the analysis. Yes, proud of her. <laughs> yes, we will link to that video so, so we can all watch it back if you want to see, but Yeah, so, so can you maybe explain a little bit how you, yeah, how you had the idea and, and what brought you to combining these two topics? Yes, of course, Anna. Um, oh, thank you for having me in this uh, cafe. Um, yes, some time ago uh, when I graduated, I got across activity-based costing and knowledge-intensive processes and services. And it always kept uh, lingering in my mind. And when I worked uh, for a bank in the Netherlands, I found out, okay, this is where I can now apply it uh, in my role as um, analytical champion, as they so called it, uh, foreman of the business intelligence team, and asked to have um, um, all sorts of analysis uh, to, to actually transform the company into a fintech. Um, when this bank did the loan, um, uh, loan provisions, Of course, I had to know, okay, what is this all about? How does this process work? So uh, in the first uh, weeks, uh, I sat down and uh, as they call it, lean, go to Gemba, I look, look around and see what happens. So I saw the process not only from the wallpapers, but also from what is actually happening on the floor. And uh, every day, even more, I saw it uh, throughout the data. So already knowledgeable about uh, there's process mining yeah. and seeing these processes first uh, face value for me. I said, okay, this is a large opportunity and uh, I dove into the data after uh, discussing with lots of people, amongst them Lucy, to see, okay, do you also see the value for this? Yeah, yeah. and they're both based on data, right? So activity-based costing and cross-mining, they make use of data and uh, we, will, we will see in the session today uh, exactly what the approach is that you have followed and will um, yeah, try to make it as concrete as possible for other people also to to follow the same approach. And of so course. Right, and you already mentioned um, how to apply to knowledge-intense processes, right? So that was uh, how you were looking at it in this kind of banking finance context because traditionally... Mm -hmm. Like um, so many of the process improvement uh, methods, um, yeah, also activity-based costing came more, I think, out of a manufacturing kind of environment where people were trying to allocate additional costs uh, that were not directly linked linked to products to yeah activities and back to those kind of uh, products, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I I looked up like one 
simple example to yeah, to explain the concept of activity-based costing for those of you who don't know this. Um, you can imagine, for example, a factory where there are machines. And for each of the machines, based on the statistics, um, you know that after 1,000 hours, there's a maintenance expense, right? So there needs to be a maintenance done on the machine and it costs 500 euros. So in principle, yeah, this is something that you can also relate back to this particular machine uh, where you can then divide um, these 500 euros by the 1,000 hours and then you have a 50 cents of extra costs per machine per hour that can be allocated. So in this way, you are taking costs around those processes. Um, mm. Another example would be electricity, right? You have an electricity bill. Um, so the question is maybe, do you need to raise product prices if the electricity bill rises? So it's taking these kind of variable costs that are triggered by activities in the process back to to the process and, and the products. And yes. so maybe to give this back to you, well, I'm coming out of this kind of more production-oriented context, what were the main things that yeah, you had to think about then when you want to apply this in the service process context? Well, of course, there's, okay, what is the case? What is this organization doing? Mm -hmm. And um, issuing loans that takes um, a, a few actors, uh, meaning the customer itself, um, colleagues at the bank that need to evaluate a loan um, application, uh, but also intermediaries. Um, all sorts of actors are in place, uh, also for fraud activities. Um, but also there's IT, uh, since the digital transformation of financial organizations has uh, really given rise to all sorts of uh, data points uh, that you then can collect. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think we, we talked about different examples for that, right? So, for example, different sales channels could perform mm -hmm. differently. So, so how would you, for example, take that into account? Yes, well, in the, the midst of a system of us, uh, we could find, okay, where does this lead come from? Mm -hmm. um, someone goes to a website uh, or Google, asks, uh, okay, what um, I, I want to have a personal loan, how do I get it? And then they go, usually find intermediary websites that based on a few data points uh, provided by a consumer himself to uh, say, okay, well, then you're eligible and you can find uh, a loan in the, and then you are provided the top 10. Yeah. Um, we know from which channel are the, the leads coming from. And by that we can see, okay, the activities that are done because it's not fully automated. Uh, banks are working on that to get it STP, straight for processing. Yeah. But there's still a lot of work on it. And because we know where we it come from, you can see, okay, for this intermediary, we have such amount of um, leads coming in, but also this amount of activities and how many contracts do really um, get accepted by the customer. And how long do they stay uh, with us? Uh, because in the uh, consumer loan business, um, uh, you win by interest. That is where the the, um, uh, the model comes from, the business model, yeah. interest. Yes, exactly. 
And so yeah, if you trace this back, then there could be certain groups or certain channels that ultimately are maybe not worth the effort, right? Because you mentioned um, yeah, how, how much work do we have to do mm -hmm. uh, with this application, for example. And that's something that we will also see in a moment when we look at the concrete example. Often we one important component uh, in these knowledge intents or service processes is the costs, uh, the, the labor costs, right? The salaries yes. of the people who are working in the process. So, so that's something that you take into account and yeah, the more you work on something that ultimately does not result in a contract for example yeah that's all extra cost right that needs to be brought in with the other successful applications in some other place again that is true that can even drive up prices uh, between 400 to 800 euros a contract each and if you see that uh, interest that is um, the one thing you have to repay it with Yeah. And beyond uh, break even, that's when uh, the profit comes in. So it's, it's, it can take a lot of time. Uh, so therefore, it's very valuable to uh, research this. And um, the activities are known. Uh, the personnel uh, are known. And you can uh, wrap it up into functions and then do your calculations. Yeah. But yes, uh, you need to have some policy on uh, where do the leads come from. How do you uh, pay them? Because it's also a provision business. Yeah. And by that make it a sound business case. And the main thing for me was, okay, how to get a fair price for the consumer. Uh, because if there's a lot of activities uh, for nothing and you could see it from miles away ahead of it, then that would be a better thing to uh, stop earlier. Or at least um, I went to the, uh, the board and put it on their table and said, well, guys, did you know about this? But yeah. that did lead to some strategic interventions, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so so the other thing that you mentioned earlier that um, also yeah, connects to me is that you mentioned that you went through the organization, which you didn't know in the beginning because you were new, to really mm -hmm. learn about the different areas and how people are working. And also that in uh, at some point in time you mentioned that in your analysis you often tended to make groups right so to look at the process into kind of you make like buckets like for example um, you could make these buckets based on the different channels uh, like mm -hmm. you just mentioned in one scenario but that's how you can look at the process from different angles right that's one one thing that that process mining allows you to do you could also yes. look at the ones that are for example successful versus the ones that are not successful where the customer for example applies for a loan but then doesn't take it maybe they go to a competitor or something right and you can then make the calculations for bucket number one bucket number two or multiple but to know which types of buckets to make <laughs> that's something yeah that doesn't come automatically right the postmining tool doesn't tell you that you need the domain knowledge and the understanding of the process behind it to know what makes sense like which kind of buckets do you want to make yes That's an excellent uh, point you raised, because in the end, it is in the action that the real value comes. So if there is uh, like legal obligations to do some checks, of course you will do them. Uh, so that is not exactly where uh, you find uh, improvements, but you can find improvements in, okay, in what order are the activities done? Um, do we see that more um, experienced uh, people uh, have lesser time or more time? Uh, do we see someone completely out of line? We saw that uh, within hospitals. I, did, I didn't even know that's called process mining, but I did before at hospitals. So you could find that some specialists uh, were way out of their KPIs, and you should we, we should all be thankful for that. 
because that allowed the other doctors to um, operate their streets. And um, so therefore you need to have the domain knowledge, but uh, especially go to the people and ask, okay, how is this working? I see this and have the uh, conversation. Also beneficial for interventions you would uh, do later based on the new insights. Yes. Yes, exactly. And maybe just as a note for for the process miners who are yeah, learning the te technology right now and maybe going through the process mining book um, mm -hmm. that we have online and things like that. So there's, if we are talking about these buckets and groups of um, kind of parts of the process, that's also uh, related to um, two of the different um um, yeah, simplification strategies. So it's like if you look at everything um, that you have in one data set and one picture, you often get this uh, spaghetti process where you don't see anything because you <laughs> look at every everything at once. So you have to break yes. it down. And there are different strategies to break it down. But one way is to have it split up based on an explicit attribute, which you might be able to do if you have for example we were talking about the channels before mm -hmm. you probably have an attribute so then you can really filter by this attribute but some of the examples that you gave like the order of activities for example do you do something or do you not do something or do you do things in a certain order that's what we then um yeah what where you have the semantic variance that's how we call it where you basically group make these buckets based on behavior and that's of course something that process mining is very good at and allows you to do very easily by combining different filters to yeah, group cases based on a certain behavior and then analyze them uh, yes that's, that's true what would also help is to to sit through the data and see um, if there's a, a natural order of activities to flow There's one is always followed by two and three is always followed by four uh, but in the data you see sometimes uh, the other way around Uh, we did find that, and then we came across some uh, data quality issues. If you have like five machines that distribute all the influx of uh, leads coming in, yeah. and uh, throughout this journey you're in one machine and then on the other machine, and, and, and to, to get a, uh, a pleasant uh, customer journey. But we saw that uh, that caused because of the, the, the time was not synced. So there was one machine uh, an hour behind or the other one oh, was yeah. two hours ahead. Yeah. So therefore, these orders came out uh, not nicely. So we looked at the spaghetti and said, this is not right. This is not possible. What mm -hmm. The data says it's true. So that's why, again, you need to go not only to the floor, uh, where the colleagues were for uh, um, uh, all the uh, approvals, but you also have to go to uh, your colleagues from IT to ask, okay, Uh, what could cause this? Because we see some things that are also in the application not allowed. Uh, that's also a good thing for conformance analysis. And then uh, we found out that we could uh, compensate for that and then IT um, synced them all and we were back on track again. Yeah, that's yes. a really important point. Uh, so I think we, we should make data sure quality, we... Yes. Yeah, data quality, let's stress that uh, once more because... Of course, with um, with the data analysis technique like like process mining, data quality is essential. If you want to make improvements based on in the process based on the data, then yeah, yes. any problems in the data they affect the results that you get. But in a way, if you yeah, if you do a cost analysis, it's yeah, it's, it comes on top of that, right? So you need to be really precise, um, and you need to have confidence in the data so that's why validating the data is like a first step that you that you need to do before you yeah, make any decisions on this type of analysis yes. and we will also in the in the example in a moment we will we will show this a little bit more but 
I also want to stress uh, the other point that you mentioned with this data quality uh, example where you had this issue with these kind of differences is, yeah, like you mentioned, you need also for that, you need the domain knowledge, right? You need to understanding, like, where does it come from? Mm -hmm. um, in the process to to then understand the problem and to to fix it. So yes. Well, what helps is to ask uh, the loan officers. Uh, can you provide me like uh, five or ten uh, cases that went mm -hmm. uh, really well? The, the, find the happy flow. Yeah. That is uh, really beneficial. Uh, also to see, okay, if you come across other patterns, uh, to ask the right questions and to find out is this true or is this data issue or is this something else. Yeah. yeah, it's all about trustworthiness of uh, the, uh, the the insights uh, you you get from process mining activity. Yes, yes, exactly. And maybe um, yeah, uh, we're thinking about the things that um, when we apply activity-based costing in a service process are particularly mm -hmm. relevant. So we were thinking of certain examples. Um, Uh, but um, I think this is even true also for the classical kind of context, like if, we're, if you're talking about a pure uh, production setting. Um, what I like about this approach is that you're taking, in a way, a step back and take, yeah, taking a broader look, trying to look at the whole picture. For example, um, if you're thinking of any kind of aftercare, after sales problems, for example, if there are certain activities or certain or even skipping certain activities leads to quality problems, that is something that comes back to bite you later, right? Because then customers are having problems with their product, um, like in a in a production setting and needs to mm -hmm. be repaired. So they come back to you, you have to replace the product, but also there's costs attached to, um, yeah, yeah, the customer service again. So that's something, yeah, that's costs... These are costs that you want to take into account to improve the process in the right direction, right? Do you have an example, maybe, how quality and maybe after after care could also apply to the service? What yes, uh, because of the uh, laws that you have to take care of your customer in the financial organization, also in contract phase, you have to know that if there's developments in their lives that they're uh, still able to repay the loan without um, without the trouble. So yes, there's aftercare. And uh, sometimes also uh, the consumers, they call us back, uh, ask all sorts of things. Uh, these activities I also found in uh, the database and also found with uh, the colleagues. So you have to include them as well to see if you want to, for example, evaluate the performance of a sales channel an intermediary, for example. You need to assign them as well. Uh, these extra costs, that's what you told in the beginning, uh, the maintenance, uh, and but how to distribute it. Uh, all maintenance calls distributed evenly or no, uh, dig deeper and mm -hmm. uh, find out uh, who to allocate them. It's the same as uh, if you have one building, uh, do you equally divide amongst a thousand products uh, this um, cost of the building or do you see oh well there's one machine that does this, there's one machine that does that. Yeah. Um, also to, to set the pricing right. Because in the end, uh, if you outprice yourself because you disallocated uh, costs, uh, you might find that uh, the competition is running away with uh, the whole market. Yeah. So that's yeah, but how to divide things? That's an, that's another good point. It's of course one of the challenges. Maybe while 
approaching the analysis this way, how far do you get, right? How how many of the costs and how detailed do you attribute them? Because I can imagine it's a little bit like when you build a simulation model to simulate a process. Do mm-hmm. you yeah, you can never simulate the whole reality, the whole real world, right? There's always something extra. Oh, I could model this type of behavior or um, people taking a break, for example. But at certain points, at um, a certain all point, all these things are there. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't add anything anymore. So you have to find the right balance. Like, where do you really capture something that's relevant? Yeah. Yes, that that also then helps because if that is a uh, crisp, clear, and explainable to everybody, uh, then you can see okay, what uh, are the patterns that I then see, and what are the significant uh, drivers of that pattern? Why does someone go to the happy flow, and why does someone go to another flow? And then find out um, if there's a good reason for that, or you can have uh, new interventions, or it's always for further research. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so maybe that's a good time to yeah to move to the example that we that we wanted to go through together. Um, mm-hmm. So let's see if I can share my screen. Um, you should see. Disco on my screen. Yeah. Okay. So this is is working. Um, so what we chose is to use the the BPI challenge data set because it's a public data set from the BPI challenge in 2017 from a loan application process. The nice thing about yeah. this is that it's public, so everyone can basically take the data set and follow those steps themselves. Uh, we will link to it um, with, together with the video with the other links that we reference here, so you can yeah you can look at that later. And um, so, yeah, if we are looking at this data set, it's, yeah, it's in a way similar to the types of processes that you have worked on, right, Willem? It's like a loan application process. Yes, it is People. not uh, the data of the organization I worked no. for. Uh, I could have, uh, I saw different things, let's, let's call it uh, that. Yeah. Uh, but the main processes uh, are there. Yes, uh, someone goes to the website or enters uh, your own portal. And then step by step, you collect uh, documentations, uh, you evaluate if it's complete, and then you evaluate based on uh, personal characteristics and financial householding. Is this person eligible or not for the loan they desire for? And then yeah. uh, there's the care that um, depends on the amount of money and some other uh, questions that um, follow through. Yes, yes and I recognize this. Yeah, so, so it's, uh, it's pretty much what you are describing here. The, the application is being submitted. Um, then there's an offer at certain point is created, um, sent out to the customer. Um, sometimes it's uh, accepted, sometimes it's cancelled or not accepted. And so there are a range of activities. In this mm-hmm. data set here, the BPI challenge data set, we see um, there's uh, activities start with a letter. Some of them start with A, and that's related to the application. Some of them start with an O, then it's related to the offer. And then some of them start with a W, and that's the work-related uh, activities. And what we can see here, and uh, if I go to the performance view, uh, for example, the, the mean duration, we can see that uh, quite clearly, is that actually only, ty- so there's only the, the work-related activities uh, which have a time duration associated to them the other ones the o and a activities they're all instant so that means we don't have information about the duration i'm not sure if they're all automated in the system or if we don't have time related to those but yeah because the 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 way that we want to allocate costs to this process 
is related to the costs of the um, yeah the the working costs the salaries of the people working mm -hmm. in it we are actually interested in the duration so that's one of the first steps that we are taking now to simplify the process to say that we are only looking at those where we have a duration right so to do this let's do this together we are adding a filter um, and in this case it's an attribute filter where we are only keeping the the work uh, activities and i think we said that also personal loan is something different right so we want not to to include those and then let's just call this simplified process as a second step yeah so now we are basically removing all those uh, offer and application related events mm -hmm. and only retain the the work related ones and we can see here in the lower left corner we are still looking at 100% of the cases so all of the applications are still in there but we are yeah looking at only 60% of the events right of the the steps in there and now um yeah so that would be already Yeah, an example for how we could analyze this process, right? First of all, we see there's quite some time associated to this assess potential fraud activity. But yeah, maybe that's something that we, yeah, that's not something that we can just remove because it's a legal requirement, right? Is that something mm. typical that happens in these in these processes that you have to check that you have these kind of checks? Is that something that you that you know? Yeah, the, the, there are some telltales since not everything is uh, based on source data. Uh, loan strips uh, do come in with paper or uh, at least at that time. And um, there are some patterns that you check for. We are by, uh, by law that we need to do these checks uh, to prevent uh, money laundering, uh, mm -hmm. but also to prevent uh, for a big uh, part uh, that someone does not get a loan that is not uh, cannot carry. Yes. So, Are there, are there specialized teams that do that or is that yes it, uh, it, it needs um, more specialized um, uh, education yes. Mm, yes and trainings yeah so yeah although it looks like maybe there's where we spend a lot of time actually also if we're looking at the frequency for example it's it's only a small portion right so always uh, when you're looking at where you spend a lot of time in the process actually it's a it's always a good tip from a performance perspective not just to look at mean or median average um, times but to look at the cumulative time and you can then have a secondary metric like the mean or the median and mm -hmm. to also show how much how much time it was on average but the cumulative time takes the frequency into account as well so that you um, yeah naturally have that ingredient uh, included so that if there's an activity that yeah maybe doesn't take that long but you do it a lot then yeah it accumulates right so that's kind of the advantage of using the total duration and there we can see another area that's yeah for this process here would be an improvement area because we see that there's a lot of incomplete files so this means that the dossier if you want that mm -hmm. or the application documents that the person sent in they were not complete right so they had to yeah call after them or get back to the customer to request this missing information yeah, yeah it takes a lot of time yes so yeah so that would be a typical scenario like what we discussed before with these buckets right so to look at for example the ones where this happens um, that the dossier the, the application documents are incomplete and the ones where that doesn't happen and then to 
to compare those and see what the difference would be. So, for example, if we follow this route and say, well, let's investigate those incomplete dossiers. Uh, one thing is um, that you always do in a post-mining analysis is to think about the baseline. So for this analysis, as a baseline, um, here there are still applications that maybe just came in yesterday or just had a first look um, we just had a first look at but they are not in this phase yet where uh, we are really where we received the the application documents so that's why as a baseline we should only look at those cases that actually arrived at the validation uh, validate application steps so that's what we are going to do next so if we click on this we can say filter this activity uh, to mark that this is a mandatory step and then let's make this the baseline for incomplete dossier investigation. Yeah, so yes, I like the stepwise approach. Uh, you can always uh, go back and see, okay, this is what I did. Yeah. Uh, because if you, especially when the insights are impactful, uh, you get a lot of questions, especially by the board and management below. So you need to have this trace back to where did it come from, what were your decisions on the data, uh, all to make it as convincible as uh, convincing as possible. Yeah, that's a good trail. That's true. Yeah, people want to know what's what is this based on, and then with Prosman, you can always go back, um, yeah, to the data, so you can always get concrete examples like here this is where we had this problem or where we could observe this pattern um, mm -hmm. to yeah to have example cases to investigate further but also just to look at the the filters for example that you applied right did you make the right selection the right segmentation to really explain so you yeah like you said it's the trail uh, of transparency that you yes that you have to explain everything very good point now so we have the baseline for this, and then now we can make the grouping, right? So the bucket one, bucket two. So for example, here, the first bucket would be the ones where we do have at least once this kind of incomplete um, step. So for that, I would also say filter this activity. So all the ones where we had incomplete uh, cases. So these are the incomplete ones. And then, yeah. Once we apply this filter, uh, we can then see only the portion of the cases that, yeah, that had this uh, this extra step where we had to call the customer uh, to ask for this incomplete information. And um, yeah, so once it's there, yeah, my computer is really a little bit <laughs> a bit slow today here. Um, well, it is a lot of process. Uh, it's not that. It's, it's not, good. Yeah. So now, yeah. So now we have. It's actually a big portion of the whole data set where we have this. We have sixty-eight percent of the cases. So that's yeah, more than half, right? So seventy percent we actually have to to make the step. That's a. That's probably not what you would want to have, right? You would. That's definitely something where you could improve the process to make sure that the applications come in more complete or maybe yeah completely filled in with all the information that you need. Mm -hmm. And we can also see the if we're looking at the throughput time of course, we could see how much time uh, it takes. So for example here in the overview statistics, we see that the process takes 17 days median, uh, 20 days on average. 
and if we would compare this now with um, the opposite, so well, we would make the opposite filtering. So now we are making the second bucket where we say not mandatory, but exactly the ones where this never happened, right? Where we never saw this kind of incomplete activity, so never incomplete. Uh, and then we can compare. So it was 17 and 20, I think, days um, mm -hmm. throughput time. So now we would expect that this would be lower, right? Because we don't have to go through this loop uh, for for those cases. Uh, yeah, we see now 12 days median, 13 days on average. Um, so, yeah, so they are faster completed from beginning to the end. So, yeah, so, so that's kind of, I think, the typical cross-mining scenario, how you would analyze these different buckets. And you, of course, you could go much deeper here and continue. But uh, as a last point, we now wanted to yeah, take a step back again and look at the process now with an activity-based costing perspective by using um, the time information and tie some cost information to that. So for that, if we go back... Uh, yeah, that's the CEO's in the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for actually, we, we have to look at it a little bit more carefully and uh, we have to do some more data preparation steps. So that's, again... Like, we, like you mentioned before with the data quality issue. Um, here, we also have to really look at the data to see, um, are we, to make sure we are using the right basis for the data. Because, uh, yeah, so if you're looking at the process here, you still see there's a lot of kind of self-loops going on. And actually, if we're looking at the, some cases here, um, you can see there's still a lot of repetition. So, for example, let's look at this application um, where you see... The, app, the activity with the same name is repeated multiple times. It's just how it's recorded in the system, right? But mm -hmm. uh, on the right side, we see that there's different lifecycle transitions. So it's kind of the type of events that are triggered by the system. And we can see that those are events, for example, that say schedule, um, started, completed, but also uh, resume, suspend, resume, abort. So so there's different types of um, yeah. Activities. It's, it's operating the application itself. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's a technical thing, right? That's um, leading to these kind of self loops. But also, if we're looking at the duration, which we are interested in now, it's only related to the complete activity. So only if the lifecycle transition is complete, we actually see the duration that we want to use. So, yeah, that's the simplification that we can we can take now. Is that we say, well, actually, on top of this. We are adding another filter uh, where we are taking the lifecycle transition and only use the complete events. So let's see what this is. And let's make this another baseline for the ABC calculation. Yeah, and this again yeah, makes the process simpler, right? Um, so we, we don't have this these self-loops anymore. Um, but actually, there's one other thing that we also need to do, because if we're looking now, for example, at the, the mean durations, for example, here, then one thing we haven't done yet is to take out uh, weekends or yeah, activities that, that run longer overnight. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not really working time, right? We want to allocate these activities and the costs uh, to to the time that people spend on them. But people don't work 24-7 um, 
Oh, yeah, but it's um, for a part still uh, humans uh, doing the work. Yes. Uh, there um, is developments that uh, automated uh, decision making is there and automated evaluation. But still, there's a lot, and especially as uh, this data set uh, shows, manual work. Not all organizations do 24 7, uh, but in the uh, usually on the Saturdays, uh, it is possible that people do work or uh, um, they start at 7 a.m. But for the demonstration, uh, just head uh, over to the 9 to 5, 9 to half past 5. Just yeah. It is you have to find out for your own organization what are normal uh, working days. And it is possible because during weekdays, people are at work. And in the weekends, they uh, worry about, okay, can I have this? Uh, how about that? Can I call someone up? Uh, so therefore, these windows are sometimes also on the Saturday. Yeah, sometimes there's a Saturday, maybe a different time, right? But there's sometimes working working hours for call centers, for example, where, where mm -hmm. organizations are reachable. So then you would Off. also... Use that, yeah. Yes, and busy times. Uh, I've seen that also not only in uh, personal loan provisioning, but also in uh, mortgages. And that is where there's uh, a lot more money involved. And people are uh, hoping to get their house. So yes, yeah. then service levels go up. And also you can call them on a Saturday, yes. Yes, exactly. So, so that's something that you that you want to take into account, though, because um, yeah, we want to get a very accurate or as accurate as possible uh, databases. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, if we if we don't do that, then we get let's say longer times. Something, for example, looks like it took three days, but actually there was a weekend in between, and it, it took less than a day, right? So then you are counting three days, but uh, it's not accurate. So, so that's all. Um, yeah, with the goal to get as as close as possible to the reality to the real process yes. and so in disco we can do this here by clicking on the time warp button and to make a, a time warp specification and there yeah we can change the monday here to change all of them we could say for example nine to five but you said seven would be more accurate right seven yes uh, let's take seven some seven. people do uh, like uh, to start at seven and leave at uh, half past four yeah yes um so seven to five, for example, could could be the working time. We can also have, yeah, different times for for different days, or there could be time for the Saturday that we could add. But yeah, let's say that Saturday here is not a working day. We can also include the holidays. So for example, so mm. let's say I think this is from the Netherlands. Are this useful? So we can <laughs> say, where are the Netherlands? Yeah. So then there it's just for the for the time of the data set, then all the public holidays that were in this data set, they don't count just in the same way as Saturday and Sunday don't count, right? And so so now we do this and then it's um, ABC baseline office hours, let's call it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so this would be then the the starting point for us to do the the analysis where we really try to attach the cost to the duration of the activities and remember we have now uh, we have gone back to the whole process so we're looking at the overall process but just based on the manual activities in this process and this is what we are now taking it as, as the baseline and uh, where we are going to um, export the statistics and then we will show how we connect the calculation to get to some, some actual cost numbers uh, for this. 
so yeah, so this is now the the corrected. These are the corrected numbers, right? So they are a little bit lower, and um, because we have yeah removed the non-working times, so they are closer to reality. And this is now the basis that we can take um, yeah to go to the activity statistics here. Um, so just below the overview statistics, uh, we have the activity statistics, and there we can write. Uh, through right-click, we can export the table. So any statistics in Disco can be exported through right-click. So let's let's do this here. We export um, this just to the desktop, and there we say save. And the statistics that you can see here are the frequency statistics. So how often did each of the activities happen uh, with the relative frequency? But then also we have the timing information. We have the median and the mean and the range. And what we are going to use is the mean duration and the frequency information. And based on that, uh, we can do the cost uh, calculation. And yeah, so if we are opening this file, we can actually see this. Uh, so let's, oh no, let's not open it. Uh, open it in Excel. Uh, I could also preview, but I think in Excel we can see it a little bit bigger. So let's, let's open it in Excel. And so there, yeah, we see exactly the the same statistics that we just exported. So I make it a little bit bigger, maybe making the font a little bit bigger. So here we can see we have exported exactly what we just saw in Disco, right? The the five yeah. activities, and then the frequencies and the relative frequencies and the durations. And what you can see in the export that Disco makes is it, it includes the durations in human-readable, uh, in a human-readable format, just like as you can see it in Disco itself, but it also includes, for example, the mean duration, not just in this human-readable way, but also in milliseconds. And milliseconds, that's the basis based on which you can make your own calculations, right? Usually you don't want to do, uh, you don't want to look at the, the times in milliseconds, but based on that, you can calculate anything. So you have kind of the full information available for your own calculations. And that's exactly what we are going to use next. And so yeah, to make this a little bit easier, we have this uh, prepared. I can I can show you it's exactly the same file um, that we just opened here. But I have added um, three columns and those columns that I have added, they are in blue, right? So they're highlighted in blue and you, uh, yeah, we, are, we are walking you through our, th our thinking and our approach here uh, together. Mm -hmm. So first of all, yeah, like I just mentioned, we have the mean duration, human readable, but also in milliseconds. And now we have added an additional column to calculate the mean duration in hours because we have the employee costs in hours. Do we usually have them already in hours, Willem, or do you have to calculate the hour raised based on some kind of salary backwards, probably, right? Uh, usually go then to uh, what is uh, all the formalized documentation on the function house, the salaries yes. included, um, and then go, okay, what is the standard work week? It's like mm -hmm. 40 hours or so, 36, and then I really... Uh, go back dive into uh, what it should cost including work um, how do you call it employee costs mm -hmm. so it's not only a gross salary but also uh, uh, benefits like uh, the extra month or uh, holiday payment right. uh, insurance so that would be included so you add that on top of 
It is uh, the most safe thing uh, to do, um, mm-hmm. uh, unless you know that the whole population is uh, on the end of its uh, scale, and then you take a uh, function maximum salary. Uh, but usually people don't like it if you uh, go uh, directly to their salary. So and there's no need for that. Uh, you mm-hmm. can work with bigger numbers because it's based on a function profile. Yeah. And that yeah. has to do with, okay, the uh, importance uh, or uh, the need for uh, trading uh, in the process, that step of the process. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so that's a good, that's a good tip. And then, yeah, so so to get the basis for this calculation where we have um, the hour rate, we need the um, yeah the activity durations in hours, and for that. Yes, yeah, you can see here at the top, you can see the formula. Um, it's just um, taking the milliseconds, dividing it by thousands. So then you're from milliseconds back to seconds, right? And then dividing by 60 by 60. So you're going to uh, back to mm-hmm. seconds, minutes uh, to the hour. So that's what we have by by hour now. Then this is what you need to um, determine. That's what you just um Yeah, you, you explained how we get to that from the from the function profile salary. Um, we see that we have five different activities, and they have different um, yeah different amounts per hour. How do you how do you look at that? Are these different different specialists who do these jobs, different function profiles, or how is that determined? Yes, that also depends on how uh, large the demand for the loan is that you need approvals or uh, your dossier is getting handled by uh, someone uh, with um, more skills. Um, For a call center, you can also think of, okay, what would it cost if I have outsourced that? Mm -hmm. Um, And for for a part, it's it's not an exact math. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then you have to go to the personal data itself and it's not necessary and it's yeah. not advisable. I would uh, strongly discourage that. Um, you don't need that. Yeah. But you do can ask HR, hey, uh, can you help me out? I'm doing uh, this analysis and I need a rough estimate of the costs per hour. And they can probably provide it to you. Yes. So there exactly. are more ways to roam. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's that's exactly also what we what we did here is based on your experience and based on uh, what would be a typical hourly rate in a process uh, of this type for these types of activities, right? So we assign different um, hourly rates, and we can see that there are different ones. For example, the assess potential fraud is one of the more specialized one, which is here um, allocated with 90 euros per hour, whereas some some other ones are a little bit lower. So yeah, there's a range between 25, uh, no. 20 uh, euros per hour up to 90 euros per hour. Yes, you different. could have this idea uh, to, to call someone up uh, based on a uh, pre-described um, instruction. Mm-hmm. It's uh, some uh, different skills needed then to assess is there a potential fraud uh, at hand or not. Yes. Yes, and um, exactly. it's good to see now that within uh, financial services, these costs of uh, know your customer are in in realms of 20-25% of total personnel so Mm -hmm. there's huge benefits uh, to uh, have this um, research and see okay why does this happen and can we find out sooner Mm -hmm. and then find out okay what are the determinants the variables uh, or characteristics to uh, see it in an earlier stage yes 
yeah that's that's again the idea of of the the buckets right where you have different mm. types of processes and for example if a, if a process is not successful so it does not lead to a yeah to a successful application mm -hmm. for the loan being actually provided to the customer then ultimately all the the steps that you make on the way they are just costs right uh, so yes. what you want to know if it doesn't work out in the end you want to know as early as possible so can you know as soon as possible um, to avoid making these unnecessary costs is, is this what you are referring to like to find out it as early possible, as possible but it's always a human decision um, mm. and you cannot um, say someone that is eligible for you cannot have it that will be mm. a, a violation of laws Uh, but you can see, okay, where do we uh, ask questions sooner? Mm. Uh, for a part, it is still a manual process. People uh, are getting phone calls or emails uh, asking about, hey, can you explain this? We see that sometimes if you have to ask, well, uh, if, if people, are, for example, are divorced and there's um, alimony that needs to be paid, it's very hard to get that. Uh, you, you have to call someone up and ask, okay, Uh, I see the marital status divorced. Uh, is there a an agreement that says something about payments? Because mm. you have to calculate very uh, carefully uh, the available loan space that is there to repay. Uh, yes, and the, the, the sooner you know about that, uh, the better. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so yeah, if we come back to the example, then you can see that's the the second blue column that you enter that you add um, to the to the exported file that you export mm -hmm. from from Disco, and there you fill in the the hourly rate for the different activities, and then all you have to do is um, yeah add them up. So basically, you calculate um, the um, hourly rate multiplied by the frequency multiplied by the mean duration per hour, right? And this is the total cost that you then have for the full process. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the the third column here at the at the beginning where we have added those. And um, then below, um, the, the last thing we did is we added up all of the costs. So we, add, for all the activities together, we added up the, the total costs and then we divided them by the number of cases. So in this data set, um, there were 18,213 cases. Um, and then if we yeah, divide the total cost by this number of total cases, then we end up with 592.62 euros per case. So a little bit less than 600 euros per case and costs of the organization of handling these loan applications. So that's then the starting yes. point for first gut check, right? Uh, Willem, like, is this is this close to? Is this even possible? Is this? Oh yes, um, calculations I've seen um, uh, do vary between uh, around 300 to up to seven, eight hundred, and even more depending on how uh, difficult uh, closing the case was. Yes, yeah. and not every case gets uh, into contract, and even those that get into the contract phase. Because it's free for consumers to go uh, to uh, the competitor or to repay their loans uh, to settle it immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not always that uh, loans get beyond break even, and so you can forecast. Okay, these are the provisions that I need to pay to the intermediary. This is the interest I get from the consumer contract. Uh, so how many months do I need uh, to sit this out to get break even? So it's the, yeah. the, the cost which you know calculated. 
Uh, you pay the provision and uh, then yeah you do the math and that can sometimes take a lot of months yeah yeah but we also see again it needs domain knowledge to make this assessment Mm -hmm. right so someone who's who doesn't know yeah the process or the space it would be probably hard for them to know well is 600 euros per case is that is that close to reality is that can that be accurate or not but yeah that's maybe a little bit counterintuitive but that's kind of what you need to do first to validate for the overall process if yeah if your data is uh, accurate enough to then continue to make really cost analysis for these different scenarios for these different buckets uh, like we have explained right so that would be something you do for the full process first and then um, once you are confident that the data is is right um, then yeah you can make these different scenario based analysis to to yeah to analyze different mm-hmm. improvement ideas yeah then you zoom into okay via what channel what intermediary did it come mm-hmm. through uh, i could not see it uh, in this data set uh, but you can imagine uh, those banks that operate just go directly to them direct writers are called and some they do work with intermediaries that uh, they do add value for a part that they have the screening and the, they, they pick up the customer but in the end how much value do they add and that's you can uh, you visualize uh, quite quite fast actually uh, using yeah. this technique and then you can roll it up into a top 10 that uh, do perform well and the other way around so uh, then you yeah. can go to the action and ask the salespeople can you go ahead and uh, make some appointments to call them up and ask what's going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's not forget about that because then you need to make the link indeed uh, to to do something with that, to act on that, right? To make really operational changes, to make the improvements based on on those. Yes, and especially uh, if, if the, the first reaction is, uh, what, so much, this amount of money, then you know you are good. But mm-hmm. you do need to make sure you have your tra- the trail, the uh, the evidence there, yeah. uh, and check with other people uh, because you're taking also a lot of risks. Because sometimes uh, people think uh, the business is going in that direction, but uh, for some it's going into that direction even better. Mm-hmm. And the gut feeling, uh, but fact based, uh, some get uh, a, a cold shower, so to say. Yeah, you yeah. need to prepare for that. Yeah. I can imagine. So it's one of the lessons also uh, <laughs> from uh, this exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So maybe also to uh, a tip then to have this prepared in a way that you can maybe quickly um, bring up the transparency and show the trail, right? So that you kind of organize your, your projects, for example, in a way that you yeah, document what you have been doing or why you have mm-hmm. been doing certain things so that you can quickly find back the basis, for example, for a certain analysis where you can find that back in your project file so that you can show what it's based on to find examples, for example. Yeah, a good recommendation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so very good. So I think we, we showed, let's say, based on a small example, but just to, to help you get started, um, how to do this. Um, maybe as a, a few closing points, uh, maybe we can take a step back again a little bit more at look to look at the broader topic of combining cross mining and activity based costing so in terms of activity based costing i'm curious how much like what i referenced before a little bit with like with simulation models where do you stop how many of these indirect additional costs do you 
take into account? What's, for example, um, what about management salaries? They're maybe not directly attached to a certain process, but yeah, they, mm. they are costs, right? So would you incorporate them or not? How far do you go? I would at least go as far as uh, one level uh, above uh, the agents that you really find in the databases mm -hmm. of the systems because uh, usually teams have a team leader or uh, someone that uh, makes sure that uh, they're equipped uh, to do the job. And that might not be the person that is uh, uh, clicking the mouse, so to say. So yes, to make that team function, or at least in the organization have a place, you can add that, uh, that up. I did not do that before because... I think if you do that, uh, you would uh, probably see not only the 600, but maybe 650, uh, for example. Mm. Um, it, it, but it is possible. Uh, I wouldn't go that far to add the sheets of paper that go into the printer. Uh, <laughs> that would be a bit too far. Yeah. Uh, but focus on the points you can influence. That yeah. would be a good start. So uh, at least uh, one level above in the HR tree. Mm -hmm. And maybe if there's some... Uh, I'm thinking out loud. Um, if compliance becomes a growing part of uh, the uh, profit and loss, uh, then that would also be a good thing to take into account. Because mm -hmm. in the end, it is uh, what you make the money with. It is uh, the loans you have provided and the interest that flows from them. So in the end, everything has to be paid by the interest people uh, pay you. Yeah. yeah. So you can ask the CFO, okay, what are the main drivers for your P&L? Mm -hmm. And then uh, see if you can uh, go to the relations over there. Uh, yeah. Okay, very good. Yes. And then yeah, one, one other question that I had, mm -hmm. I mean, this whole method of activity-based costing it comes from, from a different, very different place than a business process analysis, right? It comes really from accounting, uh, from the accounting side. So I'm, I'm wondering, do you, yeah, who, who are the people who are using this typically? And, and is there, is this something that's kind of as a method, it exists and it's fixed or are there innovations in this field? Uh, is this still an active field where people develop kind of new things, you know, in activity-based costing? Do you, do you have any insight in the community aspect I, of that? Not yet. I haven't seen this uh, before. Otherwise, in that uh, study uh, from a graduate a long time ago, um, I have to look into the research uh, papers and the new uh, the journals to see if there's news on that. But I haven't seen that. I've been talking to some auditors in the field, uh, also within the government and other agencies. And uh, yes, process mining is getting tracked. But when you also tell, well, if you combine it with the personnel cost, you can get a very good answer in. Uh, okay, where are the level, Where can you do something about something? Mm. And did you know about the cost to, to raise awareness? Uh, I haven't seen any really structured approaches, but I can make a structured approach for this to at least have the community uh, experiment with that and please share your learnings so we can all get better on this. Yes. Uh, this really made a good impact uh, in the strategy of uh, where I was. Uh, did also yield some lessons. That's uh, why you have to involve the people from the beginning. If these things come as a surprise, you may not be surprised that some people like you, some people might not like you anymore because you're, trying, you're, you're working on transparency. Yes. But in the end, it is good. It is in the benefits of, uh, in the end, the consumer that uh, pays 
your lungs. So. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's something always for pros mining, right? You, that's something you have to take into account and also prepare the people around you um, to make sure that they are with you and don't see it as something that you use against them in some form. So the cultural aspect is, I think, really important. But yeah, thanks. We can make something of this um, if, if the audience uh, would appreciate it. Then. Yes, um, that would that, be that's fine. It will be really good. Yes. So, so we you can make maybe kind of a, a summary sheet or something like of the approach that you that you have followed, and we can share that with the with the viewers. Would like that. Yeah, that yes. would be great. Thanks so much. Well, thanks a lot for um, yeah for sharing um, your experience, your views, and um, yeah for going with us through this concrete example. Is there anything else maybe we forgot or we should we should mention? about activity-based mm. costing or process mining. Any last words? No, I think the, the real value is uh, what you've shown in the previous uh, cafes as well. And uh, I remember there's also some about the data management, the data quality of it. Um, mm -hmm. Usually when that hurdle is done, uh, the, the more um, the, the, the benefits are actually, well, you've seen it in the demonstration of the disco, uh, how good it is to swim through the data and see actually the processes, because it's not about the data. It's how can people relate to what you see in the screen and their daily practices? And this is a way that visualizes and takes them on that journey. Uh, so what I would like to give, if there's more people like me that also dive into the data, don't go too far, show it and yes. uh, make it visual. Uh, and, and get the buy-in from there. Yeah, that's the. I think these are the perfect last words. Um, thanks, thanks a lot, Willem. Thanks for for being here with us. Um, You're coming, welcome. Coming to the Prosmodian Cafe. Great. Um, thank you all for for watching, um, for joining us for this last session of Prosmodian Cafe for this year. Um, yeah, we will send out the the recording with all the notes that we mentioned and with the um, the cheat sheet. Um, that Willem will make for us. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Maybe probably next week, end of next week. And yes, we will be back with another Prosmaning Cafe in January. And there we will talk about the role of the data analysts. So see you, see you all back then, I hope. All right. Have a great uh, end Thank of you. the year. Bye-bye. Thank Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.